You are listening to Written on Water, a podcast about death, life, and all the layers in between. I believe that by learning how to die well, we learn how to live and love completely. So listen and learn. listeners. You know, I've had this funny connection to Judaism for a long time. I've always found comfort and solace in the beautiful Jewish rituals and moments of remembrance. I even incorporated a few of these rituals into my honoring of my brother Tomas. So to learn more about the Jewish tradition, let's chat with a delightful Rabbi Beth Singer. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on this podcast I'm really excited to chat with you well I'm I'm always excited to have this conversation that not too many other people want to have (laughs) exactly but as a as your role as a rabbi in the Bay Area Jewish community you actually I would assume you have more conversations than not about end-of-life issues and death and rituals so kind of tell us about you know your reach in the Bay Area and a bit about your congregation Sure, sure. Well, I'm the senior rabbi of Congregation Emmanuel of San Francisco, beautiful historic synagogue located right at one end of the Golden Gate Bridge inside of the northernmost tip of San Francisco. It's a community that goes back to the gold rush. So we have fifth fifth and sixth generation Jewish families uh, who belong to this synagogue and their great-great-grandparents were married here. And we have new young people getting off the boat every day to come work in their tech company or startup or app and joining the temple. So it's a really interesting collection of uh, oldies and newbies here. (laughs) And You know, you said to me, so since you're a rabbi of a community, you must have these conversations. But I have to tell you, Michelle, it I certainly I do funerals. I go to deathbeds. I'm with people at the moment that they die. I get phone calls, Mm -hmm. um, dealt with tragedies. But uh, very rarely do people want to come in and talk about it. And it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's actually I mean, that's kind of my first question is I know. The Jewish tradition is steeped with ritual surrounding death and remembrance. But really, what is the um, take on mortality? I mean, it sounds like people don't want to talk about it. So is it just, you know, is are all the rituals kind of surrounded around the death of someone or the illness of someone like kind of expand on that? Well, you know, um, there is a philosophy in Judaism that we really focus on life and on on this world. There are a lot of, uh, you know, of course, a lot of debates and questions and ideas about what happens after you die. And I think uh, Christianity has done a better job of systematizing ideas of heaven and hell and the afterlife and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that those things are lacking in Judaism, but um, Judaism really focuses on living a good life and on being a good human being and on helping the most vulnerable in the society. So there is less talk about death and dying and even afterlife and and all of that. Yet, 
uh, when someone is in that position, if a beloved family member is dying or has just died, there are, I think, beautiful, fantastic Jewish traditions um, to help guide people through a very difficult time. So just to back up a little bit. So I love that they're focused on having a good life. I think that's really important. What do you think is a good life for a Jew? What does that consist of, do you think? Well, for um, according to our Jewish tradition, we are God's partners in repairing a broken world. And our job is to follow the Jewish commandments. Some of them are, are rituals, you know, whether it's observing Sabbath or a holiday, but many of the commandments that we are, um, we are obligated to follow have to do with helping other people um, with regularly giving. We call it tzedakah, and I know it gets translated as charity, but it's it's really not charity because it's an obligatory giving to people in need. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just dealing with uh, whether it's the environment because God created the universe and, and we're the partners. Um, so all of those things, just really focusing and trying to be a very good person in the universe, which I think almost anybody can tell you is a really hard and challenging thing to do. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think we all struggle on a daily basis to understand Mm -hmm. to be a good person and how to fulfill our potential as good human beings. I think, I Mm -hmm. I think that's a question that's, that deeply runs through everybody, you know, at some point. Absolutely. All the different religions really, really, struggle with that idea and talk about what that what that means and and I think all of the religions really think a lot about mortality and about finitude and have different different approaches to it and Judaism you know has a pretty pragmatic you live you (laughs) have no idea how long you're gonna live Uh, You can have a very short life or a very long life. You could have a very full and beautiful life or a miserable life, but, but we are all going to die. And um, that's just a known. And so in Judaism, it's like, we're all going to die. So live the best life you can live now and be as generous and helpful to others now as you can. But uh, knowing that we're all going to die, of course, um, this ancient tradition of Judaism has developed many uh, traditions for what happens as a person is getting ready to die or right at the moment a person dies mm-hmm. or after they died, but before they're buried and, you know, all, all of it. So it sounds like there's a pretty strict playbook. <laughs> like, Well, there's, that's a great way to put it, Michelle. There's a playbook. In Orthodox Judaism, it's a strict playbook. It's really by the rules. But we're a part of a liberal denomination of Judaism called Reform Judaism. It's the largest denomination. And um, it is a playbook. And people, even very liberal Jews, take it very seriously at death. And yet certain things like in the strict playbook, only burial is allowed, never cremation in Orthodox Judaism. Okay. But cremation has become so, um, so regular in our society that um, in liberal Judaism, many, many liberal Jews choose cremation. So when you say strict playbook, I say playbook, but not strict. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just depends on how urgently you practice, I guess, right? 
Um, right. So I guess what's interesting is, you know, a lot of my podcast talks about preparation um, in the sense that telling people what you want um, is a real gift to your family, like planning your oh, state. Absolutely. You know, like telling people, you know, if do, do you want cremation? Do you want burial? You know, what kind of container do you want to be in? And who do you want to speak at your funeral? Like it get it can get as specific as somebody wants, but really any piece of information is a gift to the family member. So do you think that's just still a conversation that's just not happening in the Jewish community? Do you think that's changing because there are more options maybe? Sure. Well, of course, it always depends it's the person and the family. And it is true. I'm seeing more and more, especially the question is cremation. People seem to be able to talk about that because they have such strong feelings one way or the other. But I can't tell you, Michelle, how many families I have been with where the family member has been desperately sick and clearly dying, you know, but it takes a longer period of time, maybe over eight months, a year and a half, two years, yeah. and yeah. then the person finally dies and the family admits that they never had that conversation and they have no idea what uh, the person who died wants and it's, or they, and they don't have a grave site. They haven't ever looked into any of it. And I just shake my head and wonder that they've had all of it. It's not like somebody who was run over by a car. Right. I mean, they've really known for a long time and yet almost willfully not even looked into it. So it's fascinating to me, but that uh, people, people just seem terrified yeah. of talking about death, the fact that we all die. Absolutely. I mean, see, I, because I've experienced both types, the sudden accident and you know, the slow death of my brother through cancer, parents didn't have a, a will or an estate planning or anything. It was just so we had to piece together their estate, which was completely horrible when you're grieving and, you know, traumatized by this. And then for my brother, we learned a lesson. Just We roundabout talked to him about it, you know, mm-hmm. we sneakily had conversations and kind of got it out mm-hmm. what he wanted, not saying that this is what we're going to do for you, but just saying, hey, what, do you, what would you think? What would you like? if you were to do this, right. what I would like, you know, um, but it's hard. Well, I, you know. I sometimes wonder, Michelle, if both you and I have had some really personal experiences with the death of beloved family members. And I also, I had one, one parent who died a very quick, sudden death and one who died a slow, agonizing, drawn out death. And mm-hmm. I, I think you can agree. Neither one of them is particularly fun. No, <laughs> um, They're just really not. I don't recommend them at all. Right. But um, I think in some ways, because we have both had those experiences where maybe less frightened to talk about it. And it's part, we know it's part of life. Um, and uh, we welcome the opportunity to talk about it as we're having this conversation right now. But for others, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's kind of taboo. And, and I think it's ultimately facing the loss of a loved one as a really difficult subject. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it takes some expansive thinking to understand that there you know, this is not the end of a life. It's probably the beginning of another transformation, you know, and, right. um, and that actually that's a perfect segue in that I would love to know what the Jewish beliefs and traditions like burial rites and prayers and mm-hmm. Shiva, can you explain that sort of traditional um, end of life ritual. 
Sure. Well, it's all based in the philosophy that our bodies, one that um, from the book of Genesis, that our bodies all come from where the first human being, Adam, Adam is from that uh, his name, Adam is a Hebrew word that means Adama, it means the earth. So we're all, all drawn out of the earth and that we have a spirit and the Shama implanted within each of us. And when we die, however we die, whether very quickly and tragically or after a long drawn out uh, or any way in between, when we die, our body no longer is necessary. It served its purpose as the receptacle for our very special spirit that each one of us carries. And the spirit is released. And there's this uh, beautiful Jewish idea and eternality of the spirit. And the spirit lives on with, with God. So that's, uh, an, I think, a gorgeous, gorgeous belief. And and together with that is the idea that the body uh, should be returned quickly to the earth. And that's one of the reasons uh, no cremation um, and that the body that in in strict Jewish tradition, in J Jewish ritual, especially in Israel and among Orthodox Jews here, if a person dies on Wednesday, if possible, their body is put into the earth on Thursday. Oh, wow. It's a very quick burial. They do uh, the one, the exceptions that they make in the times we're living in, they will delay the funeral for essential family members to be present, but they want the body into the earth as soon as possible. And that's seen as a sign of respect to the body that no longer houses the spirit. And uh, the body, from the moment a person dies, in Jewish tradition is never left alone, but there are people called Shomrim who are guardians or protectors. And they, they sit with the body um, from the moment of death until the time of burial. So it's not left alone. It's considered uh, just a respect. There's a very particular way of preparing a body where there's a whole group of people in Jewish tradition that form, a, it's called a holy society, a Hever Kedisha. And they have been trained to very lovingly wash the body and wrap it in shrouds in simple white cloths. And they're a very specific way to do this. And then that body is put back into the earth. And in Israel, there's no casket. The body just goes, they dig the hole in the ground and the body just goes directly into the earth. So it can start becoming one with the earth and nourishing the earth. Right so I would away. assume that like no so embalming or anything like that. It's got to be pure. Right. Right, right. I mean, the only thing is that no embalming. Usually there's no autopsy, mm -hmm. but um, there's a there's a higher law in Judaism. Um, it's uh, from the Aramaic Dina de Malfuta Dina, which means if there's a law of the land that Jews are living in, that um, that is a higher law than even if the Jewish law says no autopsy, if the law of the land says you have to have an autopsy, then you have to do it the law of the land. Or if it says, you know, whatever it says you have mm -hmm. to do. So, so for example, here in the Bay area and so many other places, if you go to a cemetery, one, you have to put the body in mm -hmm. a casket. Um, though you, for, in Jewish tradition, um, we favor a very simple, plain pine box that's going to decompose easily into right. the earth and no, no embalming and um, something very simple. But in 
the law of the state of California in most cemeteries, they actually put a cement liner around the whole casket. And we don't have a choice in that matter because that's a state law um, for whatever the reason that is that cemeteries do it that. It sounds so much more environmentally friendly. <laughs> it is. It's very, it's very green. Yeah, it really amazing. is. Um, and tell me about the family and Shiva. Right. So, I mean, anybody, anybody who's really lost somebody very close to them knows that feeling of almost um, like you fall down into a hole and you feel so in grief, we can feel so alone in the world. And even I think psychologically, when someone so dear to us is taken from us, we almost feel like we just want to crawl in a hole. We don't want to eat. We, don't, we almost want to die ourselves. We don't say it, but that's the, if we don't want to eat, we don't want to see anybody. And so the tradition of Shiva is the exact opposite of that. And what it is, is that for the first seven days from the moment the burial takes place, um, family and friends are actually supposed to go over to your home and sit with you and be with you. Uh, and do memorials and services with you in your home and bring food to you and and make you eat <laughs> because you have to go against that internal like, oh, I just want right. to die, you know, because we're drawn back to life no matter what. So that's what those um, those traditions are about. And yeah, and I, I know you guys have to like cover mirrors up and things like that, right? Yeah, again, that not all liberal Jews do all those things, but they are part of the traditions. The idea is that when someone has died, we're thinking only about their spirit, body no longer useful to them, the body is respectfully buried into the earth, and that we are not thinking during the most intense initial days of grieving about our own body or beauty or anything like that. So we're not primping in the mirror, or feeling <laughs> like we have to get a big makeup job or anything. People cover the mirrors and sit on the floor to really express grief. Men, you know, don't shave during that period of time. Uh, don't go to parties. It's a time of just really focused grief. And I think that's so interesting, Michelle, because I've noticed in American culture, people kind of go back to work the very next yeah. day. And if like you've been working for three days and your coworkers like, Hey, what's the matter? And you're like, you know, remember my mom died. Yeah. But that was last Sunday. <laughs> you're kind of like, God. what's your problem? And she's been dead five days. You're still grieving. And in Judaism, there is a year long, you know, acknowledgement of grief, which is so smart. Like that's, that's the minimum, I would say. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And then after that, every year on the anniversary of the death, we say special prayers. We come together. Um, yeah. That's, which I think is lovely. I mean, actually, uh, although I'm not Jewish uh, and I, but I love so many of the rituals, I lit a yard site candle for my brother and sent them to all mm -hmm. of his friends to light, um, to remember him a year later. Wow. And that was how long, how long ago did your brother die? Um, a year ago, Thanksgiving. So, really uh, that long so ago. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard. It's a really hard. It, it really is. And, um, and I, I also love the way, like, for instance, at Passover and at the Seder, I just love, you know, the remembrance of Elijah and those that mm -hmm. passed. And, and in fact, you know, when my brother died, I left a little place, his placemat and his seat for 
for a while. Uh-huh. Just kind That's of like a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, it was just kind of like felt right. And I always love that tradition of Elijah, you know, with in the glass of wine and you know, mm-hmm. his plate. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did that for a while with my brother because I just thought it was such a nice little tribute. It is really nice. And in, in the Jewish tradition, three or four times a year, we come together for a little ritual called Yizker. And Yizker just means to remember. A lot of liberal Jews only know about Yizker on the holiest day of the year, which is Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. It's the one day they come to temple. So that's why they know about it. But we actually have, you know, a couple other times, uh, moments during the year where you light that 24 hour candle and for the 24 hours whenever you see the candle you just think about the beauty of that that person that you that died that you lost and we come together and we say special prayers in the synagogue yisker prayers and that's a really beautiful thing as well and the prayers are supposed to elevate the spirit right as, as i recall they are they are right we have a very special prayer called Kaddish, which means holiness. And it's really the prayer is one, it's the whole prayer is just about um, praising God for creating such beautiful lives. And two, it's done in the Aramaic language, which is what Jews were speaking in the earliest centuries, the way we all speak English today. Even if we're Jewish, we don't speak Hebrew. We speak English. They spoke Aramaic as they did in Jesus's time. And so this, this Kaddish prayer, Yitkadal, the Yitkadash, Shemei Rabbah, it's very melodic and, and uh, just a really, I don't know, there's something so comforting about it. I think I think all of those rituals are just such a tribute. I think it's, you know, we should all incorporate some of that into our lives, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. whether you're Jewish. Or- and, and, you know, it's something that we really, uh, we pass along generation to generation. So I have three young adult children, 21, 25, 27. And whenever we're all doesn't happen very often now because they all live on the East Coast. But if we happen to all be at services together, at the end of every service, everyone stands up and says this Kaddish prayer, this Yitkadal, the Yitkadash Shemei Rabbah, that you, you're supposed to say for your parents. And when I listen to them saying it, I just take the deepest, deepest comfort that, wow, one day I'm not going to be here anymore. I don't know where my kids will be in the universe they'll be saying this prayer for me on the anniversary of my death every year. And I think that's a really comforting thought. Oh, I love that. That's just beautiful to think about that. Um, and I'm curious, is there a Jewish afterlife or a form of reincarnation? And what do you think happens to the spirit that leaves the body? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a great question, <laughs> Michelle. And it's something that Jews have just been debating and discussing and struggling with for so many generations. And in the Talmudic times, you know, and things were very, very harsh on the Jewish people and people were being oppressed and killed all the time. They really developed a lot of thoughts about afterlife. And because they asked the question, you know, what, why is it if a person observes all of these commandments and observes the Sabbath and takes care of their neighbor and gives tzedakah religiously, and then they're like tortured by you know, some Cossack, you know, what's that about? Mm-hmm. Why does that happen? And one of the, one of the philosophies, I, it's, it's not my philosophy, but it was a Jewish philosophy that brought a lot of comfort to a lot of people in earlier generations and still to some people today was, well, you know, no matter what happens in this world, 
in the afterlife, there will be an afterlife and you'll be judged about how you took care of others and lived your life and fulfilled the commandments. And if you, you know, were a good person, you'll go to Olam Haba, which means the next the next world. And it's not so clearly delineated as the Christian concepts of heaven and hell, but there is this idea of being rewarded and an idea of being punished if you if you were a terrible person in the world and very selfish and didn't didn't help other people or live a good life. I don't know about those things. I think they helped um, people get through very hard times. Uh -huh. But I do, you know, I do know that when I, at a certain point in my teenage years, I was convinced as many, many Jews and non-Jews are that when a person dies, that's it. That's the end. Uh, nothing, there's nothing after that. And then uh, somebody in my family died and I don't know, I think I was maybe 19 or so. And one I don't know what what my circumstance was, but boy, did I feel her presence in the room with me. It was a great aunt who we used to visit regularly when I was a little girl and I could smell her and I could feel her presence. And it completely changed for me personally, how I think about, I think, well, I think there must be, there must be some kind of afterlife, um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I I completely agree. I, I've talked several times on this podcast about how I think my dogs were my dad and mom <laughs> re, revisiting me because there's so much, their personalities are so much like them, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, I couldn't love them anymore. So it's just, it's almost perfect. Of course. At least have that, that whether it's true or not, it makes me feel better <laughs> to, to love them. As that I would it, is, it is true. You know? It is true. And I think, you know, for many people, it's really a matter of faith. And pe there are people who have such a strong faith in the afterlife. Um, and I think, I just think we don't know, and we can't really know. And I hope that I hope that I'll be reunited with all the the beings that I loved, you know, on the on the earth on my time on earth. But I, you know, we just don't know. Yeah, that's true. And you, you already answered the question that I ask all my guests. So that was perfect. <laughs> what was that? It's, what's your personal vision of the afterlife? You know, what mm, would you like? To yeah. Experience? Like, who would you like to see? You know? Yeah. Well, my, you know, my very favorite one, Michelle, I don't know if you ever read um, the play Our Town by Thornton Wilder. Yeah, a long time ago. But, but yeah. A long time ago. Right. And, um, there's a yeah, very young woman character in the play. Her name is Emily, I think. It's been a long time. So if your listeners are just tearing their hair out because I've got some of this wrong, I apologize. <laughs> but um, she, I can't remember if she dies in childbirth. She dies very, very young. And um, in his depiction in this play, she's greeted as they're having the funeral and they're burying the body and the casket and all of that. And the townspeople and I think her very young husband and her parents are all standing there. She, her spirit kind of walks through these gates and there are all the people she has ever known and loved who died before her. And I've just always thought, oh, that's what I want it to be, you know. That's what I wish. Absolutely. Me too. I I think the last podcast I did was about mindfulness. And we talked about meeting my parents and my brother and my first dog at a bar and having a gin and tonic with them, <laughs> catching up on what they've been up to, you know, and mm -hmm. how the afterlife mm -hmm. has treated them. <laughs> you know, like, 
all of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think whatever vision that we personally have, hopefully we can manifest it, you know, because mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can manifest so many things in this lifetime and perhaps the afterlife is one of them. Right. 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 Um, and then the one question I do ask all my guests is kind of considering your life experience and what you've been through and of course your job, especially, but what is the most important piece of wisdom you, you've learned to share with our listeners? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a big one. The most, <laughs> the most important piece of wisdom. Or one that's just meaningful I, to you. Maybe it's not to be the most important piece. Well, this is, this is, uh, this is pretty maudlin, I have to say, but I've been, I just, you know, really, I, I do think about, um, death and think about and then of course that makes me think about life um and uh all the wonderful ways that that judaism guides me and guides jews to have a very meaning-filled life but this is this is such a a crazy thing michelle but basically if i let my mind really go to that dark dark place and think about the fact that someday and i have no idea when this is going to be i'm going to die i think to myself wow you know, once you die, you're dead for eternity. That's a really, really, you're going to be dead for so much longer than you are ever alive. And so we get these precious moments on earth and we just can't know how many of them we have. We just know we don't have enough or not nearly as many as we're going to have after we die to be dead. Mm -hmm. So I think the wisdom is to to live life with a little bit of that awareness that this is it. This is the time to really embrace and love and be good and do for others and just really, really love life. Right. And I think that can be easily practiced. I know um, we've done a episode on suicide and I think the one, Mm -hmm. the one lesson that um, Caroline had said, as she's just said, just to say, I love you every time you get off the phone with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're in a hurry or not, just do it because you don't know. Yeah. When that- and I do it with, you know, my, yeah. my husband and I and my kids and I all say it and my dearest friends and I do. And I you know there are, I, I uh, lost a very dear friend just less than a year ago and he is a, um, he crashed his uh, small airplane and he was a really, really experienced pilot. So even though, I hated that he was a pilot. I, I didn't actually think he was going to crash his plane, but he did and, and died very instantly. And uh, we had gotten to get, we got together many times a year and we'd seen each other. He, we live on opposite ends of the country, but we're in the same profession and we met at conferences and we had just been at a conference together. And that's a, just a hard thing that anytime you see a person that you care deeply about, you absolutely can't know if it's going to be the last time you're going to see that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that we keep in mind, you know, when, about the way we, we treat people and make sure that they know our feelings for them. Yeah. And making time for people and being present for, mm-hmm. you know, whether they mm-hmm. need you or not, just right. be present and spend the time, make the time for people because it will return tenfold when you need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah. And I hope if this, your podcast 
helps more people to feel more comfortable uh, talking about life and death and exploring their own any any authentic religious traditions that are you know they're a part of or right for them. Um, I think that's a very good thing. And thank you. Oh, thanks so much. You've been listening to Written on Water. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until soon.